Hello and welcome to Balderdash Academy. I am your headmaster, Bob LeBlanc. Joining me tonight is our head of English language arts, Professor Molly McGill. Hello, everyone. We have our temporary assistant coach of the Balderdash Academy Dashers, Carla Rose Dubois. Ready to do it? Let's do it! Head of STEAM for Balderdash Academy, Professor Nate Green. Ach, guten Tag! And our <laughs> reigning champion, Head of Home Ec and Wellness, Professor Marie Stewart Harmon. Hello, not champions! <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Bring it on! <laughs> this is the first time I've ever won anything. <laughs> This is her first win. This is the first time she's champion, so. Our visiting professor today is Sean French, video game writer and designer for Hyperkinetic Studios, lead writer of the RPG Epic Tavern, which I just downloaded, uh, writer and creator of Murder on the Midway for the Tales app. It's kind of a gamified choose-your-own-adventure. It's awesome. I'm about halfway through that. Uh, so before finding his home in games, he paid the bills as a stand-up comic and comedy writer, sports journalist, and videographer, and film critic, and that alone means he's going to fit very well here at the Academy. Uh, Sean is also the co-writer, uh, a co-creator, rather, and writer of the comic book series Escape from Jesus Island, and writer and director of the horror flick The Wrong House. Uh links to Sean's work are in the description. Sean, welcome to Balderdash Academy. <laughs> for having me. Uh, I just want to start right out of the gate with a, a solid 50 taunting points for Marie. Uh, that's that's a gold open. And, uh, the defending champion's off to a good start. 50 taunting points for Marie. Oh, I, I'm flattered and now very nervous. <laughs> I see where this is going, and I fit right in. Hey, now, aren't we? Okay. The head's getting bigger. Sean has agreed to be the scorekeeper tonight while the faculty members compete for the coveted reigning champion banner. They will perform a series of challenges, and at the end of each challenge, Sean will assign points to the competitor he feels is most worthy. He's not looking for the correct answer, but the best answer. The points are arbitrary and can be given to anyone for any reason. At the end of the show... The faculty member with the most points will be named the reigning champion. Our current champion is Marie Stewart Harmon. All right. That sound means it is now time for a pop quiz, and our first pop quiz is from Professor Molly McGill of English Language Arts. Molly. Hello, faculty and visiting professor. Good to see you all again. I hope you have been studying your vocab words that I've given you, faculty. We'll see if they have, visiting professor. Um, as we kick it off, as always, I'm going to shoot you today's word of the day. You'll let me know what you think the correct meaning is, or the best, and we'll see what our visiting professor thinks of your answer. Are you ready for today's word of the day? Today's word of the day is twible. Today's word of the day is twible. 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 Bob, twible. Twible. Uh, well, 
Twible stems from a uh, a cultural phenomenon of the last decade. What Twible is is an online phenomena in which somebody claims publicly that you enjoy the book Twilight. What Twible does is allow you to sue them for uh, for that written word as a defamation of character. Twible. Twible. Defamation of character for liking the Twilight movie. Um, uh, Carla Rose, what do you got? Twible. Well... Uh, Professor Molly, I am no entomologist, but I do know this word because it is a sports-related thing. You see, twible is an old medieval game. Twible, that end part is the root for ball. Twible, mm. game that is played with a ball, a rock that is fashioned into a ball. You play it at twilight, so it's really hard to see. Okay, and the person that lives, okay, is the person that gets the ration of grain for the day. So, (laughs) medieval. Okay, a game out of a stoning. Uh, Nate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twible is uh, actually uh, the name of the fan club for Barbara Walters. And uh, they call call themselves the Twibles um, because they just... They just love it so much. They're they're a big group. It's a family. Uh, they have a lot of great dinners. Okay, stand for uh, Baba Walters. Uh, okay, Marie, what do you got? Twible. Yes, a twible. Um, it only happens twice a year. It is on the solstices, and it happens at midnight on the solstice. If you are in a field on the solstice be it winter or summer, at midnight, a table will manifest itself in the field. And those who have seen this twible are few and far between. And you have to be present in the field at midnight on the solstice. Twible. All right. uh, Okay, visiting professor, we have to review Bob's... Uh, defamation for saying that somebody likes the movie Twilight. Suable offense. Carla Rose's stoning game where you fashion a ball out of a rock and some everybody dies but one. We have uh, <laughs> Nate's uh, a fan club for Barbara Walters because who doesn't love B, W, and uh, Marie's manifesting table on the solstice. What do you think? Twible. Uh, I think we, right out of the gate, uh, we have to give 25 wardrobe points to Carla Rose. Uh, get, yeah, that, get that out of the way. Um, yeah. uh, let's give 50 points to Bob for his uh, Twilight Bible. That's, it, that seems like a valid thing. Uh, something we should do. If it's not Thank the you. definition, it, it should exist. It should. Uh, it, it's something we need. Uh, we'll, we'll give Nate 20 <laughs> points for an answer I don't understand at all, uh, just for the completely boggling wing, which is a, an experience I enjoy. And uh, 25 points to Marie for her great pumpkin answer. Excellent. Just so you know, faculty, once again, I'm rather disappointed in you not having studied your vocab words. But it's fine. We're all learning together and moving forward. Fail once, fail twice, 
keeps us going forward. Okay, so the actual meaning of twible is something that can be found in probably 75% of all video games involving some sort of fighting, which is a double-bladed battle axe. Ooh. Pretty sure I've seen it in Shining Force. Zelda? I think so. Awesome. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, double-bladed axe. Uh, before we move on there, I just want to say that our points stand with Molly with zero points. Next, we have Nate with 20, Carla Rose with 25, myself with 50, and our reigning champion is in the lead with 75 points. Now, I don't even know how that in, happened. <laughs> good answers. <laughs> in honor of our visiting professor's work playing monsters and bad guys in bad indie films you've never heard of, his words, not mine, today's four questions are about the king of indie horror camp, Troma Entertainment. Now, whichever one of our faculty members gives the best answer, not the correct answer necessarily, but the best answer, Sean will award points. Our first question. Troma Entertainment was founded in 1975 by Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hurds. What do the company creators say that the name Troma means? Nate, what do you got? It is a, a, a hybrid of different words. Uh, being uh, troll and Roma, which you know in the U.S. it's Rome, uh, in Italy it's Roma, and uh, that came about because they were walking around Rome one night, and uh, a bunch of trolls came and took their children, which was fine with them. It happens. It happens. It happens. So trauma. It's okay. So a portmanteau of troll and Roma, Molly. What do you got? Oh, uh, trauma is actually a homage to the word trauma because all good B horror films need a whole lot of trauma. Whether it's an arm that gets ripped off and turned into a machine gun or a leg that is actually a live octopus. Trauma is based on trauma. Trauma to trauma, Marie, what you call? Um, trauma is, is, um, something that came from how these, these creators were inspired to, to make this company. It all comes back to our moms. They felt so strongly that the, the traumas, uh, back to what, um, somebody else had said, the traumas that they had experienced, thank you, Molly, um, a lot of them had stemmed from their mothers, and so they felt the way to, to pay homage to them and how they've moved forward and, and come, come into their new lives in this, in this industrious business that they've built together is to pay homage to their mothers and the trauma that they gave them. Trauma! All right, Marie with mummy issues. Carla Rose, what do you say? Well, if I remember correctly, um, is it Lester, the, the guy? Anyway... Lester, he, um... Lloyd? He started, whatever, Lloyd. Lloyd. He started having headaches one day. This was many years ago. And, and his childhood best friend was very concerned about him. So they went to the doctor. They did one of those scan things. And they found that he had a lesion on his brain. And it was called a trauma. It was like a, some sort of ganglion of some sort. So he went and he had it removed. Once Lester had this removed, 
he was it, it, it was like the dam broke and all of these ideas just flooded he just came out and he and his best friend you know matthew they were like we have to start a company and it is all thanks to that trauma you know yeah. that i had removed on which he has in a glass jar of formaldehyde on his desk to remind him what is responsible for his success like you do. Uh, so all very good answers. Uh, Sean, we had uh, Nate with a uh, portmanteau of Troll and Roma. We have Molly with an homage to trauma. We have Marie with an honor to mummy issues. And Carla Rose with a brain lesion. Also, her answer was trauma. Uh, the actual answer is that they told people that trauma was the ancient Latin word for excellence on film. <laughs> Which fits the company pretty damn well. Uh, in reality, in 1974, when they were forming the company, every name they could think of was taken, so they just made up a word. Sean, how would you like to score? Out, out of respect to Paul F. Tompkins, any clumsy portmanteau uh, has to be rewarded, so we're going to give that 75 points uh, to Nate. And uh, let's go 25 to Molly for having... Uh, answer that made a lot of sense and uh let's go 30 points to carla rose for the uh what what kind of seemed like almost a valid origin story for lester (laughs) (laughs) if they end up watching this expect it as a film in 2024 (laughs) (laughs) sorry lester so and matthew right Lester and Matthew, yeah. (laughs) Side note, while I died while Carla Rose was giving her first answer, my brain, even though I know etymology, my brain always adds the N. So whenever I say the word, I say entomology. So whenever I hear it, especially when it was done on purpose, it kills me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Aside over. Now, their signature film, Toxic Avenger, had a famously disturbing head-crushing scene. Their special effects artist used what common items to bring this effect to life? Carla Rose, what do you have? You know, I saw this movie like 30 years ago. I'd have to, if I remember correctly, there were people in ballet costumes dancing around. There was some classical music. And then there was just like this giant nutcracker dude. And um, he had this giant mouth. And then they, they, you know, they had this guy put his head in there. Like they forced him, of course. And then they were just like, and then like, it was just, it was gory. It really was a game changer. I I can't watch ballet anymore. Ruined it. Cracked by a giant nutcracker. Nate, what do you have? They wanted to keep it simple. Uh, so what they did is they um, they filmed it inside of a, a, a pressure vacuum space that NASA has. And what they did is they just sucked all of the air out of the room to create that massive vacuum. And it just imploded the head. Um, and it was, it was a one-taker. Um, and uh, very simply done. Yeah. <laughs> All right, filmed in a vacuum. Molly, what's your call? Well, look, a lot of people on set were pressuring this uh, 
special effects uh, artist and they're like, you know, just just take it old school, like uh, elementary school Halloween. Let's do spaghetti and peeled grapes and all that kind of gross stuff. And this special effects artist was like, oh, hell no, I'm making a name for myself on this. And there happened to be a lot of stray cats around, like tons of stray cats. It's not going there, Bob. So <laughs> okay, what, good. She did, <laughs> what she did was she went around and she collected all the coughed up hairballs that she could find, masked them into this like gnarly looking, goopy, soupy, hair covered thing, and whoop, looked like brains. First off, thank you because I was halfway <laughs> through writing my apology letter to the ASPCA. Molly with <laughs> hairballs. <laughs> Marie, what do you have? <laughs> um, Molly is on to something in that the um, the special effects director was actually a mom. Um, she she Molly identified her as female. Flashback. What she did. This has been a Balderdash Academy flashback. Um, moms are able to like pull things together in ways that I will never understand. Um, and so this mom was tasked with procuring the, the head squelching effects of a brain exploding. And she was like, guys, I've got jello and play do play dough in my kitchen at home. Give me five minutes. She, she's got the Play-Doh all correctly in the right shape. And then she just added the jello into the Play-Doh where necessary. And all of a sudden brains and head components squelching out of a, of a skull was very easy for her to create. Squelch. Love it. Squelching, (laughs) squelching out of a skull. Head, head components. All right. So (laughs) squelching crafts. (laughs) So we have Carla Rose with a giant nutcracker, Nate, it was filmed in a vacuum, Molly with hairballs, and Marie with squelching crafts due to mother powers. In reality, mom skills. Mom skills. Uh, in reality, on such a tight budget, they did it simply by injecting a melon with corn syrup and red food dye and putting a wig on it. Yeah. <laughs> and I gotta be honest with Classic you, it, it was a pretty damn good effect for 1985. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sean, how would you like to score? Uh, uh, let's go uh, 10 points for the uh, Nutcracker to Carla Rose. Uh, if, if that hasn't been done yet, it will at some point by trauma. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> Nate, the one-taker line, just uh, it's, it kind of hit me out of nowhere, knocked, knocked me off my guard. I like that a lot. Let's do 20 <laughs> points for that. Uh, Molly, for painting this whole scene, even if the ultimate answer didn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, let's do 35 <laughs> points for that. It was entertaining. And Marie will get 40 points uh, for actually coming up with something that I think I could probably use to pull off the effect. Wow. That's Play-Doh all, yeah. and Jello. All right. Now, so... Troma is known for their raunchy horror comedies. They actually started off as a sex comedy company before finding horror. But Troma has also helped on other films, including one of my favorites, 1981's groundbreaking My Dinner with Andre. So the question is, what did Troma do for that film? Let's go with Marie. What's your call on that? Well, in the big finale of my dinner with Andre, um, as you probably all know, the entire kitchen explodes. 
So they're all sitting down to dinner and the, the kitchen table just, and so they, they, the, my dinner with Andre executives, um, were not prepared for these special effects and realized that it was the culminating scene in the movie and they really needed to call in some people that they knew what they were doing. So this was for the exploding dinner scene at the end of the movie, the culmination of the film. Which, honestly, I mean, that's what made Wallace Shawn famous, right? Carla Rose, what do you have? Well, if there are two things that I know about, it's sex and comedies. Uh, (laughs) Simultaneously, really. (laughs) If I remember correctly, this... um, Okay, Andre, right? He was that seal that made the news in Maine. So this was about my dinner with Andre... So um, it was like this cute little, it was like, it was like um, you know, it was like these little bowl of fish and then the, the seal trainer or the saver or whatever. And then Andre were sitting there and they were eating by, you know, firelight. But Andre like was really scared of fire. So they had to do it in the dark. But this, you know, Lester and Matthew, what they did is they used their huge influence to procure the background music for this touching and lovely scene they were able to hire the band the squelching traumas and they came <laughs> and they played their fusion of reggae and uh thrash metal um mm-hmm. which to which andre you know started wave surfing if there's not a band by the time we're done known as the squelching traumas i'm gonna be disappointed <laughs> nate what do you say uh so uh it wasn't the seal that they had dinner with it was uh it was Andre the Giant and um and this was actually put in midway through filming um because they had to take do so many takes of the dinner portion um that Andre had a little uh tummy trouble uh so they uh they had to bring in Troma to help with the um the bathroom scene um because it was just way too messy and they needed some way to have them help hone it in and kind of control it cuz you know Andre Andre the Giant's a big guy All right. So uh Molly what do you have Uh well not much Bob Um so <laughs> They started, this is actually uh, originally called My Dinner with Fabio, because um, they really thought, you know, <laughs> when you think about sex and sex sales, you think Fabio, right? I mean, who doesn't? So, they all of a sudden got sued halfway through the making of the movie and had to change the name to Andre. They felt it sounded exotic, but still wholesome and masculine enough. So, My Dinner with um, Andre... Um, Troma came in and helped to, uh, shift that whole focus and make it into a real classic, real cult classic. All right. That's good answer. So we have Marie with the exploding kitchen scene, which my dinner with Andre is obviously famous for. We have Carla Rose with securing music from the squelching traumas. We have Nate's Andre Giant's bathroom scene. And Molly helping to shift focus from Fabio to Andre. All good answers. Uh, All wrong, but all good answers. (laughs) It was a far more simple answer. Uh, Troma provided production support for the film. Uh, Kaufman served as a production manager. So, Sean, how would you like to score that? 
the reference to the obviously classic exploding kitchen scene, uh, that's, that's worth 10 points for Murray there. Um, any, classic any fa- scene, yes. Classic. It's one of my favorites. It's, it's the reason I, I became a filmmaker. Uh, was Thank that you. Scene. I'm glad. Yep. Uh, <laughs> any Fabio reference is worth 20 points, so that's good for Molly. Um, Nate will get 25 for the Andre the Giant gastric issues, which if you read interviews with anyone who's worked with him, they all have stories about his uh, just unbelievable gas. Um, and, and then Carla Rose will get uh, 50 points for uh, her shout out to my old improv group, the Squelching Traumas. There you go. All right. In our last question, in 2008, the Toxic Avenger was turned into what? Molly, what's your answer? A musical. Hello. The Toxic Avenger musical hit the stage. It began in off-Broadway, quickly got swept up because people just couldn't get enough of a singing and dancing garbage man heap. Heap of steaming garbage man heap. Anyways, it was great success. Everyone knows the song, if you gotta just recycle it, no, throw it in the dump. I mean, it's just so good. Um, So obviously, musical. All right, musical for Molly Marie. What's your answer? Uh, it was a porn. Um, they they were <laughs> ahead of their time from the Avengers, uh, and but bu- bu- the Avengers is actually the non-porn version of the Toxic Avenger. So it's really like there's a whole lot of steps that we had to take to get to the Avenger films, and the Toxic Avenger porn was one of them. Makes sense. Carla Rose, what's your answer? Well, I think in like 2007 and a half, Dodge, with, you know, fond memories of their Ares uh, successful vehicle, uh, bought the Toxic Avenger and made a vehicle called the Toxic Avenger, which ran on, um, you know, as a way to recycle toxic waste. And (laughs) it glowed in the dark. And uh, believe it or not, it became the official tour vehicle of the Squelching Tromas. I believe it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, Nate. What do you have? Uh, well, the, I mean, we're not we're not in a day and age where we have original stuff. I mean, this is we recycle things, so they wanted to reboot it. Um, what they did is they figured out that they couldn't really take that massive amount of greatness and and stick it into one thing. So what they did is they split it into three different personalities, and that's where we came up with the serialized uh, Powerpuff Girls. Um, and each one of the Powerpuff Girls is a different element of the uh, the Toxic Avenger, and it uh, really pulls at my heartstrings. That makes a Mind lot you. of sense. Uh, so we have Molly with a musical, Marie with a porn, Carla Rose with a car that ran on toxic waste, and Nate with the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, the correct answer was, in fact, a musical. It debuted at the George Street Playhouse in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and opened in New York in the fall of 2008. So, well done, Molly. Sean, how would you like to score that? Uh, let's give uh, 20 points each to Molly and Marie, because I, I think both those answers were probably correct. Uh, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> if they haven't made the porn yet, they're going to sue. Maybe the year was off, but I'm pretty sure it exists somewhere. <laughs> and we'll give Nate uh, 50 points for having a stroke in the middle of his answer and continuing anyway. <laughs> I have those a lot. Stroke a genius. All right. So, 10 points for that. <laughs> nice. Okay, so... Our points are, currently, I'm in last place with 50 points. Next, we have Molly with 100, Carla Rose with 125, our reigning champion Marie has 145, and Nate is in the lead with 190. Our visiting professor today is Sean French, video game writer and designer for Hyperkinetic Studios, lead writer of the RPG Epic Tavern, which I just downloaded, uh, writer and creator of Murder on the Midway for the Tales app. It's kind of a gamified choose-your-own-adventure. It's awesome. I'm about halfway through that. Uh, So before finding his home in games, he paid the bills as a stand-up comic and comedy writer, sports journalist, and videographer, and film critic, and that alone means he's going to fit very well here at the Academy. Uh, Sean is also the co-writer, a co-creator, rather, and writer of the comic book series Escape from Jesus Island, and writer and director of the horror flick The Wrong House. Uh... Links to Sean's work are in the description. Sean, welcome to Balderdash Academy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, Sean, you've had a fairly whirlwind creative career, right? I mean, uh, doing stand-up, doing a comedy writer, moving from that into horror as a filmmaker, as a comic book writer, working in video games. So, effectively, I think the one thing that all of this has in common is you're a storyteller. I, you know, I've obviously dabbled in a lot of different mediums, and uh, by dabbled, I mean failed. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, before finally, uh, you know, and that's really kind of what it was. It was sort of trying a bunch of things that didn't work until I got to yep. one that did. Uh, and the yeah. uh, finally, fortunately, found a home in the games industry. And uh, I understand. I mean, I've been an actor. I've been a stand-up comic. I was so good that I'm now the head of a fake comedy school. So it should tell you something, right? Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that that means a lot. So you fail until you find your place. Failure, like like they say, failure is always an option as long as, as, long as it informs you about where you're going. Um, so how did you get into the video game industry that you're in today? Uh, I mean, the hard way. Uh, I, I, as a teenager, right out of, right out of high school, I decided I was going to, this is like, you know, the late eighties, there was no video game yeah. industry yet, but I decided I'm going to move right to California and just break into games and it's going to be great. And they're going to love me and I'll, it'll be awesome. And that did not go as planned. Uh, <laughs> uh that did not work at all. Uh, it's a big public failure. Everybody knew I was going off to break into video games and I, I, I had a, a play testing gig lined up that, uh, Ended up not being real once I get out there. So that was fun. Um, So, uh, you know, that was obviously a a really painful failure. And then about six months later, I moved 3,000 miles again to Bethesda, Maryland for another chance to break into games and failed again. So that was cool. Uh, Had another period where I spent a year uh, designing the story world for a role-playing game that died before launch. So that was nice. 
so I spent about a four year period in my early 20s just getting kicked in the face trying to get into the games industry. Uh, and the problem was it was just too early. I, I was there before there were, you know, before there were jobs. If I showed up five years later, yeah. I'd be running a studio by now. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, my mid 40s that I kind of recovered from that just series of monumental failures, just painful, painful mm -hmm. failures, uh, enough to give it another go. And, you know, things have changed so much now. Uh, the yeah. gatekeepers are gone. You don't need permission from anybody to make anything. You can just climb over the walls. And and, uh, and that, it, when I once the kids had moved out and I, I had all this free time again, I decided to kind of give the, the creative career another shot. And everything had just changed so much that all the walls that I hit the first time were gone. And uh, I, I was able to sneak through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was me climbing the walls for you. <laughs> Did those uh, stumbles in the beginning help inform where you wanted to go when you were ready to get back into it? Was that was that like a, a decision that you made that uh, I'm getting into it again? Or was it kind of you, you found yourself in the industry? Uh, no, the, the, uh, I, I happened to just a chance meeting uh run across one of the producers of Epic Tavern, one of the, the designers of Epic Tavern. And uh, I, I happened to know his wife. They were passing through town, needed a place to stay. I'd never met him, didn't know what he did. And we got talking, and he had read the comic and liked it. He'd seen my movie, and he had worked on the Spider-Man games on PlayStation 2, which I had played the crap yeah. out of. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we just hit it off like long-lost brothers right out of the gate. And he was looking for a chance to kind of get me in, but there weren't really opportunities. They had a couple guys. And uh, so I, I, I kind of stocked the company for about four months online and just waited for any gap. And they finally uh, advertised for a social media director job, which I didn't want, but I applied for anyway and just sent this ridiculous two-page cover letter that just focused on my <laughs> writing background. <laughs> I completely ignored yeah. the job I was applying for and just applied for a writer. Um, and that ended up working. I, uh, yes. they, they brought me on to do like a, a kind of uh, just a test quest, right? One quest to see how it goes. And that turned into some freelance work and that turned into a full-time job and that turned into me taking over as lead writer. Oh, and wow. uh, I've Great. been a solo writer for the last like three and a half years. Um, wow. But I knew it was a game. That's amazing. That, like Epic Tavern is uh, like in the dead center of the Venn diagram of everything I'm good at. Uh, like writing medieval fantasy <laughs> yeah. stories and come it, it's just I, I knew it was something that if I could get a foot in the door yeah. you know I, I'd be able to kind of you know get a foothold there and uh, you know I happened to get in with a uh, hyperkinetic studios which as uh, a startup founded by the people who made the spider-man games uh, kind of the core creative team from that decided to get out of the AAA industry and, and start making their own stuff and it was just the best possible landing spot I could have hoped for I mean it's just yeah so one of these risks really did work out, is what you're saying. Oh, they totally did. In fact, yeah. I, the thing about when I, when I finally broke through, uh, one of the best things, and, and something that I didn't really expect, is that it repainted every failure in my life as being one of the steps that led me to where yeah. I needed to get. Yep. And yep. you could directly trace it back. Um, yeah. The game that I spent a year uh, designing that ended up not even launching the deal I had with, with them was if the game didn't launch, I kept full creative control of the story world. Oh, so I didn't cool. lose it. 
yeah. when that went away. Yeah. I still had that story. That's, awesome. That's awesome. That's and great. We had a moment in Epic Tavern where before we were doing our first early access launch, we decided like last minute, let's put a prologue in with a cinematic and that sort of thing. And from the moment we decided that, I had 24 hours to submit a script for the storyboard so we could get it to the artist in time to get it done. Wow. And, and that had to be 24 hours to create what was going to be the central storyline of the entire game from scratch. No pressure. Jeez. No pressure. Would have been terrifying had I not failed at this other game earlier and had this whole yeah. story yeah. world ready yeah. to go and this whole mythology and, <laughs> and uh, was just able to salvage all of that wholesale and, and bring so much into awesome. Epic Tavern. And uh, every one of those failures, as long as you don't kind of burn everything to the ground when you fail and you kind of keep the pieces and you, you know, you, right. you kind of playing the long game and looking forward, uh, the failures are fine. As long as you kind of fail forward, you, you still make progress. Uh, some of the freelance writing work that I've done in the past, that clause where you can maintain creative control of the material, mm-hmm. I've worked that into graphic design where... Oh, sure. If I don't get paid, that IP reverts to me. Nice. Um, and I've had the same thing where I had a pickup on a logo, and I maybe had 24 hours to put it together. Well, I already had 300 thumbnails to pull from. <laughs> I already did the work. I paid it forward. Um, yeah. yeah. So what got you into into filmmaking? I mean... You're a storyteller, so that part makes sense. But why, where was the jump from games to film? Uh, you know, I, I just want to do uh, everything once was, was kind of my philosophy. I want to kind of experience every type of storytelling. Um, uh, the Wrong House, when we did that, that, that just kind of fell into our lap. Uh, our house got burglarized. Uh, we were really pissed off about it, and yeah. uh, we needed an outlet. Well, you know. So my wife and I... <laughs> Uh, decided to make a story where we're serial killers whose house gets burglarized and they hunt down and kill the people who did it. Cool. Cathartic, wasn't it? Right? Do you know if they ever saw it? Yes, I know that. Yes, I know for a fact they did. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, it was a mess. Later on, um, after, after the movie came out. Yeah, they watched it on his TV. But it was it was great. I mean, I started in the script uh, probably ten days after the break in, and we had cameras rolling within three months while we were still angry. And, wow! Uh, and we tried, yeah. and then we tried to do everything we could to piss ourselves off during the whole production. Uh, awesome. So we had the actors break in through the same window the burglars did. And we just sat there and watched them roading through our stuff and digging through everything and just experience and just soaking it all up and soaking it all up. That is awesome. And by the time it came for the, the crazy scenes, you know, where the serial killers hunting them down, we didn't have to act. We just, you know, <laughs> kind of just let an instinct do what it wanted to do. And uh, it was the best. Hey, those actors, ever. rest in peace. Right. You know, well, it, was, it, may, it may not have been great for them, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like an awesome acting gig. (laughs) There's a power in that catharsis, though. I I do murder mysteries, and I have a murder mystery company, and I can't tell you how many times I've killed off somebody who annoyed me. Oh, totally. (laughs) So, you know, cut me off in traffic. (laughs) You normally kill yourself. You're normally the one that dies. <laughs> what does that say about you, Bob? Hmm. It says that that I'm giving. 
It says that to truly understand your aggressor, you need to take their role for a bit, right? <laughs> Become that which you most hate in the world, and then it's easy. It's it's like yoga, just with homicide. I'm telling you, self-help is fun. Dying, dying yeah. it, it is, is a more, like in terms of like a performance thing, dying is the most fun you can have in a movie. Uh, I've had a rule for a long time that I won't do a movie unless I die. Nice. I'm not yeah. even interested if, awesome. I die, if I don't get killed. Well, I mean, there's also, there's a joy in playing the bad guy. Like, there's a real satisfaction when when you bite it and the audience cheers. Right? <laughs> right? Like, you know you did a good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that says about all of us, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, The Wrong House was, so, was crazy fun. Um, and I think the thing that was fun about that... Uh, because it was such a, a small, uh, no-budget shoot, and I wanted there to be a lot of like big hits and impacts and moments that the audience kind of at, uh, I had to take all those hits myself because I didn't want to get sued. So I, I, I kind of structured everything with the final day of the shoot. I just got the <laughs> beat out of me all day, just relentless. <laughs> I, I went backwards down this 20-foot crazy oh. embankment. Uh, I got thrown out of a window. Six, maybe do six takes of everything. So I got thrown out of a second-story window six times. It's and smashed in the face it. of the freezer door and landed on my back six times. Jeez. Oh, God. Taking one for the team. It was great. Yeah, no. Broke three yeah, ribs really. in the final six hours of shooting in three oh, different God. incidents. Sean, did this play at a film festival, this movie? Yeah, we, we, we screened it. Uh, we did a couple festivals, and we also rented out uh, theaters at, like, Cinemagic in, in, in Saco, Maine. I feel like I saw this in Damnation. I feel like I saw this in Damnation Land. Yes, Ooh. Damnation Land. No, no, it didn't run at Damnation Land, but we've run in yeah. the same festivals that Damnation Land showed at. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> have you had any? I mean, you did this with no prior stunt work, or did you have stunt work before this? No, I used to do uh, well three times. I went to Vegas for stunt workshops. Uh, the Society cool. of American Fight Directors. That is so cool. Would, yeah. would, you go out there and they just kick the crap out of you for two weeks and set you on fire and throw you off buildings and the mats so cool. and, you know, uh, teach you how to fall downstairs and that kind of stuff. Um, so I had a little bit, you know, I, I had enough that I was confident I'd be able to uh, get through the stunts. And, you know, even if I wrecked myself in the process, um, which is actually why it's I the filmed, last day. Yeah, we also filmed all the last scenes sequentially. So that if I got injured, oh, we just cool. used the injury. There you go. That's the most realistic. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, you were on the line for that more than just physically, though. I mean, did you back the finances for the film? Did you get a fundraiser? I mean, did you do credit card? Did you pull the Kevin Smith and credit card do? Or or Uh, how did that work? We made the movie for uh, 10 grand. and We we just, you know, kind of saved and, you know, kind of. uh, That's amazing. Saved up what we could and. You know, I kind of paid it off as we went. You know, uh, the initial production was about thirty-five hundred, and then we did some, you know, some reshoots and uh, you know, post-production costs and that sort of stuff. So we didn't need all the money at once. We were able to kind of chip away at it, and then we now, ultimately have, made it back. You know, have you thought about doing a sequel? And if so, do you want to let people know your address here now? <laughs> <laughs> I need a new TV. Yeah, do you need more inspiration? Casting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. call. I'll leave a window open for you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I have the bats. 
Of course, I work from home now, so I will, I will oh. 100% be here when you crawl through the window. How <laughs> I look, so. Okay, we need a decoy. So, yes. <laughs> we exactly. need a di diversion. Dude, I have definitely seen your movie, which is amazing. I have seen The Wrong House, which is awesome. And I'm, I'm remembering back, and I, I'm remembering these falls on refrigerators and stuff. And <laughs> they're like these like teenage-ish kids like, breaking into a house or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, how did you movie, find man. out they watched it? Uh, we knew, we found out uh, who they were very, very quickly after. We put out oh. a bounty with other kids to give them up. Should have asked them to star in the movie. And then gave them a chance to return what they'd stolen before we would try to get retaliation on them other ways. Uh, which, which is actually the plot of the movie. Uh, the the right. killers hunt down right. them and give them a chance to return themselves. So really up until about the 40, point, uh, 40 minute point of the movie, it's kind of a documentary. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, you know, it then it's fantasy. Goes, goes, a little, goes a little wild after that. So, uh, John, um, if we wanted to see this now, does that, was it distributed somehow? It, it or is it was, streaming this somewhere? Was, this was 2008. Uh, it, it, we did have a distribution deal that ran for eight or ten years, and we were like in Walmart. I mean, we were the movie was out and about. Awesome. Um, I, I have the full rights back. I got them back a couple of years ago, but I've been so busy with game stuff, I haven't done anything with it. You know, maybe I remaster it, kind of knowing what I know now, and try and make a better mm -hmm. version. But uh, I don't know. It, it, it's it's something we uh, we we talk about every couple of years. Of, you know whether we just kind of let it be in the past as kind of a stepping stone to get where we were, or if we want to, you know, get it back out there. I mean, well, I just my husband, YouTube or something. My husband is a huge horror movie fan, and um, we've got a lot of hooligans in our neighborhood, so I feel like we need to watch this movie. <laughs> I, I've. I feel like when you say it comes up to like revisit it every once in a while, it must be like when you're like, where's the freaking ladle, man? <laughs> well, we should redo that movie. We should definitely redo that movie. Yeah. Yeah. The ladle thief. <laughs> Sorry, they take all kinds of stuff. <laughs> hey, Sean, so you're a story writer at heart, a storyteller at heart. Are you, this is a two-part question. Are you really good at video games? Do you love video games, like actually playing them? Yeah. Okay. So, you said earlier that it was hard to break into the industry, that the, the industry hasn't really started going at that point. How pissed are you that now video gaming is a sport that people make bajillions of dollars at? I think it's great. Uh, I was happy <laughs> that was the case when I was 15. I know. Certainly, uh, there, there are certainly games that at that age, I feel like I could have beat anyone on the planet at. Yeah. <laughs> Had there been a competitive uh, league, but I, I actually coach a Super Mario League, so. Oh, sweet! <laughs> I gotta get in on that. So, I mean, we're at the point now that we have games that are rivaling cinema. Uh, if you take a look at yeah. the last year, Jedi Jedi Fallen Order was better than any Star Wars thing that came out since Clone Wars, the seer cartoon series. Um. And it was the, the fact that they weren't afraid to get into the story. They weren't afraid to get into the, um, the emotion behind the characters. You don't really see that, or you didn't see that in video games as much prior. Um, now, do you think that there's 
a new mix between the two that the genre or at least the, the two industries of film and video games are eventually going to meld so they're indistinguishable or do you think that they're going to remain separate at least outside of the genre film yeah i mean we're going to see more overlap certainly uh netflix has a whole interactive division now bandersnatch was the mm. choose your own adventure movie they put out that was mm-hmm. uh, pretty great i thought um, I, I don't see a, a full merge of the two. Uh, there's certainly going to be more and more overlap as you go. Um, uh, branching narrative is, is a is a different beast. Um, certainly, game writers can write single thread stories fairly easily. That's not a big transition. But just pulling a screenwriter into games, if they don't have the the kind of technical uh, just sort of mindset and the the love of thousands of threads just you know flailing around like a medusa's head sort of yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. sort of thing um you know it's not going to be a good fit so i, I think it's a, well, it, it takes a special kind of, of, of insanity to really just yeah. love the complexity of game writing well i mean you're talking about a boolean narrative that's not easy at the, in the best day right. marie right. it's like a boolean so, cube <laughs> What's a Boolean narrative? Yeah. <laughs> Boolean, if then. Oh, bully. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, that's the... <laughs> That's all the time we have for the interview right now. Join us as we return in our next segment with Nate's first pop quiz for Steam and Lie, Lie Again. Listening is cool and all, but watching gives you so much more. See the players' real-time reactions, flub-ups, and all the snark that intern Alan Smithy can dole out on the running commentary. Only at Balderdash Academy's YouTube channel. It's time for our second pop quiz. This pop quiz is from the head of Steam, Mr. Nate Green. Thank you, everybody, for coming back from my quiz. Um, so one of the most Instagrammable mathematical sequences is the Fibonacci sequence. How much uh, of this sequence do we know? Um, I, I can explain what it is, but I just want to quiz you guys quickly here. What, uh, let's start with the number one. I'll start first. What number comes after the number one in the Fibonacci sequence? One. All right. Two. Two. Okay. <laughs> Do you want the real oh. answer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we we had a really good start. Really solid start. It was it took off like a rocket, uh, <laughs> and the rocket made it up about two, and then it fell. Uh, but two. So yeah. Fibonacci sequence is, is fantastic. It's you take you start with one and zero, and then you add those two numbers together, which comes up with one so then you have those two numbers one and one you add those together you come up with two you take one and two so you just keep adding the previous number to the current number so it would be one one two three five eight thirteen twenty one thirty four fifty five eighty nine one forty four and so on it's fantastic and that's how Um, you get into the bunker in lost yes (laughs) (laughs) fall back now, um, so here's what I'm going to ask you guys. It's uh, where the internet was, started. This was named after uh, Fibonacci. Except, except that wasn't his real... Fibonacci. That wasn't his real name. Uh, that name came actually after his death. It was a, 
a nickname given to him around 1838 by uh, Guillaume Libri. Um, I want to ask you guys, uh, since you guys know the Fibonacci sequence so well, what was Fibonacci's real name? Um, Molly, let's start with you. Fibonacci's real name was Earl. Pearl. Earl Earl. Nachi. And the problem with Earl Nachi was is that he told a whole lot of lies or Mm. fibs, if you will. So everyone thought Earl Nachi, that name's not going anywhere. Liar, liar, pants on fire, fibba. Fibonacci. So it was kind of like a playground, like kind of like dick move bullying name, but it's yeah. stuck and, it, and now it's beautiful and it means gorgeous beauty and things, flowers, everything. So suck that playground bully. So we got Earl Nachi. I love it. Earl Nachi, liar. Um, and Bob, um, what was his real name? Well, <laughs> not, not yours. I mean, it, here's the thing. Uh, Fibonacci uh, inspired more than just a sequence of numbers. Fibonacci also inspired the Viewisk universe. Um, most people don't know this, but uh, his real name was Jay. He got the name simply by saying Natch as much as humanly possible. <laughs> Jay. Yeah. I like it. I, 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 it was either a choice between that or Scoochie Boochies. Yep. <laughs> um... And uh, Marie, what what uh, what was Fibonacci's real name? Absolutely. So um, Fibonacci, his last name is actually Achi, A-C-C-I. Um, but his first name was just so long that all of his friends were like, screw that. I am not pronouncing Frederick, Ichabod, Bobbert, or Nicholas. Chi, Achi. So they were like, all right, you're Fibbo. Fibbo. Nachi, and then so it was like a, it was like an acronym. It turned into a, a very long, lengthy name: Frederick, Ichabod, Bobber, or Nicholas Achi the Third. Fibonacci. Fibbo was my favorite Marx brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, Carla Rose, um, you want to take a stab at Fibonacci? Sure, sure. You know, as a, an Italian American, this is right in my wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> So his actual name, he was a transplant to Italy. His name was Lester Troma. Mm. And <laughs> actually, and he was like this crazy guy with all these numbers. And he'd draw like little, he was a fisherman. And he'd take these pods and he would like, you know, like draw spirals on them. He'd like, you know, show them because he didn't have paper. Um, mm. And this was like the, the Da Vinci Code had come out. And that was like all the rage at the time. So, and like Fibonacci means spiral in Italian. So they were like, hey, look at this guy in his Fibonacci cod. <laughs> so um, that spiral cod, that's where they came. And it, his real name was Lester Troma. Lester Troma. All right. So <laughs> little have... known fact, spiral cod was the name I used to dance under. That, Apropos. I, I think I've seen I you. I think I saw uh, you once. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the tip, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, a uh, Earl the Liar. We have Jay, uh, or Snoochie Boochies, um, and we have a uh, super long name, so we're going to shorten it to Fibbo, uh, yep. and then we have uh, Spiral Lester um, from the Troma family. 
Uh, really his middle name guesses. was Matthew, right? Yeah, which ironically yeah. was his best yeah. friend's name. Um, but those are great guesses. His real name was actually uh, Leonardo Pisano uh, Bolego of Pisa. Uh, Fibonacci is actually a shortened version of Phileas Bonacci, which means son of Bonacci. Um, and that is the truth of Nacci. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so how would you like to lay down some points here? Uh, okay, let, let's go uh, uh, fifteen to Carla Rose for. Grazie. For Grazie, signor. Lloyd Kaufman trauma. switching to Lester Kaufman switching to Lester Trauma. <laughs> I, I look forward to the next incarnation. Uh, let's do uh, 20 points to Marie for the d- degree of difficulty for throwing in an acronym for no reason. Uh, good <laughs> stuff there. Um, Jane Silent Bob reference is worth 30, so we'll give 30 points to Bob. And Molly gets 40 for the fibbing one for uh, having the hook of that take way too long to sneak up on me. You actually got the punchline up <laughs> before I cut it. Uh, it was great. It's not it was happening wonderful. in real time. So. <laughs> All right. So, our next game is Lie, Lie Again, where I will read a weird or unusual fact about a select member of our faculty. Now, this statement can be the truth or a complete lie. Our visiting professor and fellow faculty members may question the subject to better understand whether or not the statement is the truth or a lie. Either way, the subject must convince everyone that the unusual fact is true, no matter how absurd it sounds. And staying on the theme of horror comedies, Molly was once pulled up on stage in a midnight showing of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right, Molly? Yes, I was. All right, who has our first question for Molly? Sorry, Uh, I I was going to ask what scene was going on. And I, and, and I was going to ask, what, what were you wearing? wearing? So, so what, what were you wearing and in what scene? scene? Tag team this question. Socially speaking, this is the only time either of those questions are legally accessible. <laughs> Allowed. What were you wearing and what scene were you in? What scene? Generally is a way to get HR to throw you out of the building. Um, so... <laughs> So, so look, I have to be completely honest. I I'm, was never one of those kind of like cult classic Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, like groupies that like knew all the songs. I was never in the play. None of that stuff. I've seen the movie with Meatloaf, which is great. Um, but I went with a girlfriend um, that was really into it in high school. I was wearing, what was I wearing? Something ridiculous. This black, like, what was I wearing? This black, like, sequin tube top. You know, everyone dresses up. Bright red lipstick, of course. Um, Teased hair. Whatever. We went to the nines. And uh, I don't know what scene it was. All I know was that it was literally embarrassing because I was the only one there that didn't know the lyrics. And it killed me. And and so I'm like, everyone's looking at me and everybody knows except for me. And that's why it's (laughs) up. Otherwise, I like being on stage. So, yeah. All right, who has the next question? Where where was this? Like, uh, where was this being performed? Yeah, it was in Portland. At, you remember, um, what was that, Zoots? Remember Zoots? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. R.I.P. Zoots. I, yeah, I, I remember. That was the only 
guy in black plaid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who has another question for Molly? Um, worry, I, I'm, I'm under the impression, I have not actually gone to a live Rocky Horror myself, but I'm under the impression that people who have never been to a Rocky Horror before are um, asked to do some sort of, like, you have to peel a banana with just your mouth or something like that. Like, were you asked to do any weird things? What? No. I do not know <laughs> no? what that is. No. <laughs> really? Dude, Jamie and I went in. She was all about it. We, she had a bunch of her like Portland friends that I like kind of knew. I was kind of kind of friends with them. So I was just kind of like totally kind of out of my elephant, as I say, in that situation. But no, I didn't. I just went in with them because we were like a big group, and it was all like and we had glow sticks and you know sparkle makeup. And so, what happened when you got on stage? Oh, what happened when I got on stage? I was completely mortified because everyone was singing all the words and choreographed music, and I didn't know it. <laughs> Any reactions to and you? And I was like, literally they... doing this. Sean, <laughs> <laughs> what's your question? I saw your hand up. Do you have a question? Yeah, I was actually going to ask if it was a musical number you were brought up for, uh, yeah. which apparently was. <laughs> so how, how did you... Uh... How did you end? Did, did you finish out the whole song out there? Did you slink away? Give me the uh, the story of how it ended. Oh, dude, I took it in stride. Because what are you going to... You're, you're going to make more of a scene if you're just, like, shirking off. And that's not the crowd you shirk off stage to. You know, like, people are there. <laughs> diehards. So yeah. I just... Yeah. I petered it out. Kind of slowly <laughs> went behind some people. So I wasn't yeah. front and stage. You know, a couple people were happy to take the lead. And I was happy to let them... And then kind of fizzled out and then was like, yay, that was so fun. (laughs) It is important to know when you can and cannot shirk someone off. Do we have any other questions for Molly? My friend said I nailed it, so. (sighs) All right. So you've heard the questions. Now let's hear your conclusions. Marie, what's your call? Is it the truth or a lie? If your Rocky Horror friends were truly Rocky Horror cult people, then they probably would not have said that you rocked it if you milked it in. Um, And I really think that that part of the Rocky Horror show is making the virgins of the show do something really embarrassing. So I'm going to go with a lie. I think she's lying. All right, lie for Marie. Nate, what's your call? I've been tricked up by uh, Molly before, um, but I I mean, I, I, I believe it. I believe what she's telling me. Um, and I'm going to say truth, even though it's a lie. So All truth. right. Truth. Carla Rose, what's your call? Well, as a coach for substitute coach for a day, I am trained to a high level to discern uh, changes in sweat patterns. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I noticed that uh, Molly stayed cool as a cucumber uh, while recalling this event which uh, clearly was traumatic uh, to her. And for that, I'm sorry. But I do, I do believe the veracity of her claim. All right. So we have Marie with a lie, Nate with the truth, Carla Rose with the truth. Sean, what's your call? Is it true or is it a lie? You know, I, I, I watched her do this with the uh, elephant set on my car thing, uh, where she very convincingly painted this picture by, by really only changing one detail and having the rest of it be true. And it's entirely possible she's doing the same thing right now. Uh, but I thought the details were good enough. And uh, 
if she's lying, she fooled me. So I'm going to say truth. All right. So we have Marie with a lie, Nate with the truth, Carla Rose with the truth, Sean with the truth. Molly, what's the story? Um, I have never been a huge... I mean, I love it. I'd watch it, and I have seen the movie, but I haven't definitely been a cult follower, um, and I've definitely never been to a Rocky Horror Picture Show showing, nor have I been called up on stage. I would definitely go to one. I would love to. (laughs) I knew it! (laughs) Well done, Molly. (laughs) Sean, how would you like to score that? Uh, let's go, uh, Marie got it right, correct? Marie was the only one who, uh... Marie was the only one. So I was really on the fence about it. (laughs) Can we just just side note that for a minute? Because she also private chatted me that said, I think you're telling the truth, but I'm mixing it up. (laughs) So I think I nailed it. Oh my god. <laughs> the virgin stuff, it's key to the Rocky Horror. And I was like, well, maybe they just didn't do it at Zoots, this place I don't even know about. <laughs> yeah, that was a good catch. So let's do uh, 50 points to Marie and uh, 75 to Molly for completely fooling me and pretty much everyone else. Yes. <laughs> All right. So that's the end of our first half. Our points right now are myself in last place with 80 points. Next, we have Molly. <laughs> With 175 points, Carla Rose with 180, Nate with 190, and Marie, our current reigning champion, with 215 points. That's the end of our first half. Join us when we return with Carla Rose and Mask Charades. Only on Balderdash Academy. Go Dashers! <laughs> That marks our halftime with our halftime trivia talk, our temporary assistant coach of the Dashers, Carla Rose Dubois. Hey, team. I may be temporary, but I'm permanent in everybody's heart. I know. Um, So I present to you the game. Finish that. Tweet. (laughs) All right. Uh, So I'm going to read to you a tweet. And then I'm going to ask you to think about it. And uh, for this particular one, I want you to guess what the tweeter, the tweet, twit, is tweeting about. Okay. So this dates back to 2012, the heyday of the tweetiness. By a Mr. Dan Gilbert, owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers and thus in the know, called the Cavs. He tweeted, <clears throat> Wow, have no idea where that last picture came from. It's not even in my picture folder. Crazy. No explanation? Random photo appears. Hashtag baffled. Folks, what do you think Mr. Dan Gilbert was referring to? Uh, Marie. 
Uh, yes. Um, Mr. Dan Gilbert was um, referring to the time that he was at spring training with his team, and they all went out after the game to carbo load because that's what athletes do. They carb up before they go out for a big intensive workout. And um, the team took a picture of Mr. Dan Gilbert eating a hot dog very provocatively, and he was baffled as to where they could have possibly come up with this photo. Carbo-loading with hot dogs. Carbo-loading. Hot dog. Noted. Mm. Thank you, Marie. Nate. Yes. Your thoughts. Uh, so, this picture came out. He didn't even know it was taken, number one. But uh, he was attending a Blue Man Group um, concert. And uh, in tribute to his athleticism uh they had all kinds of sporting uh equipment around uh and so this picture was uh, of him at a blue man group concert behind uh, uh backstage uh surrounded by blue balls this <laughs> bump on that blow it up blue balls okay. baffled <laughs> okay professor molly your thoughts um so he's never been really known to be one to use, let's say, more than three syllable words. Um, so the picture was actually in reference to a, a picture of a recent Scrabble game he had been playing with his wife. And it completely embarrassed him because he couldn't get any words that were over four letters. So a micro word. Micro word. You know how that feels. Everyone wants to hide that. No kidding. All right. Well, good guess, Molly. And finally, we have Bob. Bob, what's your guess? So it's less a guess. I've seen the tweet. Um, I, I, I read it recently. Uh, I was frankly shocked. Not a lot of men post pictures of their own down shirts. I mean, it was just pulled out, click, there was fuzz, it was gruesome. Uh, Some people are into it, though. Remember, everything is somebody else's kink. Okay, the down low on the down shirts. Bye, Bob. That porn's yet to be made. Yet another. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right, let's recap those guesses, then, shall we now? We had Marie with the... Carbo load hot dog pick. And then we had Nate with the blue man group blue ball pick. Then we had Molly with the Scrabble micro word pick. And then we had Bob with the down low on the down pick. All right. So uh, as really gone as those guesses are, I must say they are incorrect. Now, let us show the actual picture that accompanied the aforementioned tweet. <laughs> I've had days like that, I gotta say. I mean, <laughs> oh my right there with him. What was the sequence of events that led to that? <laughs> A sequence of events. Okay. <laughs> well, it started with Andre the Giant. 
<laughs> Literally downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Sean, how would you like to score that? Uh, let's go uh, right off the bat. Let's go 35 points uh, to Carla Rose for the finding that tweet. That was, that was wonderful. Brilliant. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll give Nate 15 for taking a long walk to get to blue balls. Thanks. <laughs> Don't we all take long walks to blue balls? <laughs> or after. Uh, I'm usually walking away. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do 20 points to Marie for her reference to the famous NBA spring training. And uh, 40 points to Molly as a double word score for her Scrabble reference. All right. Okay. Uh, that marks our halftime uh, competition. The halftime has ended. Our points are myself with 80 points, Nate with 205, a tie between Molly and Carla Rose with 215, and Marie in the lead still with 235 points. So our next game is called Mask Charade. Sean has secretly told Marie uh, what his favorite movie was. Uh, Now Marie will play a game of charades with that movie as the topic. The rest of the faculty will don blindfolds and try to guess the movie based on my poor description of Marie's charades. Straightforward, right? Uh So are we ready? Yes. Blindfolds on. <laughs> Got this, Marie. All right. <laughs> Blindfolds on, Marie. Whenever you're ready. It's obviously a movie. <laughs> Four words. First word. She just stabbed herself. She's flailing. She's flopping. She's cutting her own throat. Now she's hanging. Death. She's murder. Death. The Blair Witch Project. (laughs) She just pulled out a sword and now she's swinging it about. The Princess Bride. She's slashing. She's stabbing. Stab. She's frustrated. Murder. She's confused about what she's going to do next. Murder. (laughs) Kill. Sword. (laughs) Slice. Stab. Slice. Slice? Slice? Close? Uh, hanging? She's hanging. Slashing, hanging. Uh, cut meat. She um, just cut her own throat. She's cutting cut. her throat. No. Slice, <laughs> slash. Uh, <laughs> she's no. shooting. She's firing a gun. Fight. She's bang, bang, banging. Battle. Battle. A lot of action. <laughs> um. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Um, Honey, I shrunk the kid. (laughs) An American tale. Fourth word. Okay. First first syllable, two words. First word, second, second, fourth, four words. Okay. She's pointing to the tip of her two fingers. Two words. Second word. You can shout it out if I'm not getting it. Uh, (laughs) Second word. Fourth word. (laughs) Okay. Fourth word. Fourth word. First syllable. Second syllable. No, okay. One, two, three. Whole word. Okay. Count. That's the whole. 
That's the whole word. She's holding up two fingers. Two. She's. Peace. She's holding up two fingers. Lock, stock, and Peace. two smoking barrels. Cl- uh, closer. War and peace. Closer. War and peace. Peace. She's shooting. Love. Hippies. Kill all the hippies. She's showing me her foot. Foot. Ah. Loose and fancy free. <laughs> She's showing me her other feet. foot. My left foot. There's a lot of oh, feet. The Lord of the Rings. Feet. Traveling. She, she's. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. She's pounding on the inside of something while laying on her back. Yeah. She's ah. trying to get out. She's l- clicking a lighter. She's clicking a lighter. Um, She's pounding on something above her and h- clicking a lighter. I'm stuck in a vampire type of coffin. Um, um, something. The black <laughs> abyss. The big abyss. You're stuck in a She's submarine. Pulling out a sword and slashing. What the f- And everyone's dead! <laughs> Fightful goes, goes west, and, and everybody died. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that's good. Um, everybody dies. Uh, uh, who's now? Night of the Living Dead? Night of the Living Dead. Uh, Night Shaun of the Dead. Uh, I'm not explaining anything, I can't stop laughing. I, I know. It's hard dead Poet to get. Society. I'm, I'm lost for plot points now that I can achieve. Okay, um, so... You're stabbing, what is slicing. That? So what piece. is what do the words sound like? Okay, first. Well, word the first two like. rhyme. The first two rhyme. This is the best game of charades ever. Uh, Bee Gees. Okay. <laughs> first two rhyme. Um, first uh, word. Gun, bang, shoot. Shoot, kill. Yes! Kill. Kill? Kill Bill, volume kill. two. Kill. Yeah! She's holding up two finger. Kill, kill Bill, Bill, volume, volume two. two. Yes! All right. Yes! Oh, my dear God. All I right. couldn't remember Miss- what happened in verses one, versus two. I just knew Omatherma's feet were in a lot of it. All right. Well, Beatrice Kiddo would be proud. <laughs> Well done for a hard charade. Sean, how would you like to score that? Uh, let's go uh, uh, Carla Rose uh, for figuring out the trapped in the coffin. We'll go 50 points there. Is that volume one or two? I can't remember either. I'm not sure. Uh, I think okay, um, let's go uh, Molly and Nate kind of combined for the answer then. Uh, so let's, let's go... Uh, 50 points for each of those. We'll do an additional 35 points for Molly for the uh, the fabulous mask. That was wonderful. <laughs> and 15 points to Nate for uh, his mask basically looking like he was trying to abduct himself. <laughs> Nobody else will. I just... My... My favorite part of that was halfway through, Nate's head disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for the playback. I have no idea what you're talking about. Flashback. Got this, Maroon. You're stuck in a submarine. This has been a Balderdash Academy flashback. Uh, Sean, I appreciate that you recognize the foot part. Yes, it was was great. And and we'll give Marie a uh, crazy 88 points. uh, (laughs) Crazy 88! All right.
Crazy 88. So, our points at the end of halftime. Right now, we have myself with 80 points. Next, we have Carla Rose with 265. Nate with 270. And it's neck and neck. Molly with 300. And Marie with 223. Nicely done. (laughs) Join us when we return with a pop quiz from Marie and Technically Correct, only here on Balderdash Academy. We All Have a Story is a podcast dedicated to learning more about the folks around us, one person at a time. We'll chat with accountants, bus drivers, entertainers, novelists, beekeepers, piano tuners, booksellers, artists, and more. Check out We All Have a Story using your favorite podcast app or service. It's time for our final pop quiz of the night. This pop quiz is from the head of Home Economics and Wellness and our current reigning champion, Professor Marie Stewart Harmon. <laughs> Marie! Hello, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me here. Um, first of all, I would like to welcome one of the newest members of the Balderdash family, Professor McGill. I think that you introduced a brand new member of your family today. That is true. Can you tell us a little bit about this this little creature? Well, I drove six hours round trip uh, to pick up our new puppy. Hooray! Wonderful. And have you ever owned a dog before? Um, when I was a baby, so I don't think that counts. So, no, I'm, I'm a cat person um, by nature, but I I'm will sorry. now become a dog person. <laughs> I think, I hope. I, I, I think your oh, you life will. is about to change for the better. But I, as a dog owner myself, have experienced a few of my own issues with the dog. Like, for, for example, eating anything they find on the floor. Mm. So, if you perhaps maybe leave a uh, entire Tupperware container of chocolate-covered almonds on the floor, Mm-mm. and your dog might ingest them, faculty, my goodness, what would you do? Um, Molly, I'm going to throw you right under the bus here as a brand-new dog owner who does has no idea, no experience in this whatsoever. What would you do if you saw that your dog ate something? Well, I know that chocolate is not good for dogs, so I'm way ahead there. Um, I would probably, um, well, it makes the most sense. I've seen this on dog training videos to really just pick the dog up like a potato sack, right? And just kind of like shake it by its back paws until it um, vomits the... So you've got the back paws and you're just, it's over your shoulder. Yeah, yep, it's all for safety, it's ergonomic. Got it, got it, that's potentially useful. (laughs) Um, Nate, I know that you have a dog, have you ever experienced anything like this before? Oh my god, thankfully I haven't, Um, I I haven't, but I, uh, being a science teacher, science, I, I know that you really want to counteract any poison that's in there, um, and that is a toxin to dogs. So what you want to do is you want to put in the exact opposite of chocolate, mm-hmm. which in this case is Brussels sprouts that has been roasted for uh, about five minutes too long and uh, smells god-awful. 
you just feed them to the dog, and it the uh, the science of it is that they mesh together, counteract, and dissolve. It's kind of like Febreze spray for your gut. Got for a dog's gut. Got it. Yeah, Got it. yeah, yeah. But this potentially could work on humans. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, if you're lactose intolerant, that's fine. But I'm not. A, I don't like to- intolerant people. Who does? Who does? Um, <laughs> Coach Dubois, what would you do if your dog ate something it wasn't supposed to eat? Well, it's very fortuitous that you would ask me this question because I actually earned uh, the Presidential Medal of Freedom for uh, delivering uh, life-saving assistance uh, via mouth-to-mouth uh, to a Weimaraner who had been choking mm-hmm. on a small <clears throat> rodent. And um, though to this day I suffer with... Um, persistent dog breath i mm. or forget um my love for dogs my passion for their health and um i did take a course eventually and in that course we actually have a little bag a doggy bag <laughs> that we carry around with um tools of the trade for health uh you know emergency health one of them is a tube called a trauma and what you do is you insert it in pretty much any orifice Depending on the size of the dog, any orifice, the nares, the the oral orifice, the, you know, anus. The rear. The rear orifice. I'm trying to use technical terms. I didn't think you guys would be, you know, giggling at this. It's just life. The gluteus Um, orifice. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? And, you know. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Because what you want is to just, and then you just put your mouth on the trauma and just, like, suck (laughs) as much as you can of this (laughs) product. Um, this poisonous stuff. Ow. And, it, and basically, it's kind of like the idea of those things where you suck on the wound of like a, a poisonous snake and then you yeah. spit it out. And then, and yeah. then, you know, then that gives the dog time, that gives you time to get to the vet and, and uh, you know, give it, you know, proper treatment. Well, I'm glad I took notes. <laughs> um, Headmaster Bob, do you have any advice for us? I do. I, I grew up with a dog. I, I, I loved my dog. Um, one thing that was always true, at least with my dog, was that it loved car rides. It just couldn't keep the food in its stomach when it went on them. So yeah. the obvious answer is to throw the dog in the car, hop in, and on your way to the emergency vet, hope that the car does its trick and saves you five or $600 for a stomach pumping. That my dog does often throw up in the car, so you are on to something there, Bob. All of these are very, very good suggestions. Um, we have Molly's sort of back leg Heimlich that she's like, throw the dog over your shoulders, bag the back legs. We've got Nate's roasted Brussels sprouts and like the antithesis to the chocolate. Um, and then we have Coach Dubois' mouth to mouth. Trauma sucker, it sounds like. It's a very specific device, the trauma sucker, to remove the the, the, the inappropriate content from the dog. Um, and then we have Bob's ER vet, you know, just gets, head to the vet and maybe it throws up on the way. That's very reasonable advice. Um, I would like to share with you the proper way of helping your dog through this moment. But, Sean, I would like to know if you would like to award any of our faculty any points at this moment. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, <clears throat> let's do uh, uh, 50 points to Bob for what's actually 
probably the correct answer for this particular animal. <laughs> uh, 25 to Molly for her suggestion to shake the puppy, which is maybe not something we want to advocate all that much. But, um, uh, Nate, for uh, giving me a detailed description of the food I hate the worst on the planet, we're going to do a 10-point penalty, <laughs> but he gets 25 points for the intolerance line, so he ends up plus 15. All right. Very, very cool. Um, all of these things are very, very useful, and I think Bob is the closest. The very first thing you should do is call the vet, just to be sure. Um, and in my situation, it was chocolate-covered almonds, um, and I spent some money with the emergency line vet, and I paid money for him to give me the advice of two teaspoons of hydrogen peroxide per 10 pounds of dog mixed with peanut butter. The hydrogen peroxide, the correct ratio is appropriate, so only two teaspoons per 10 pounds of dog. The hydrogen peroxide naturally makes the dog throw up. So you mix your peroxide up with a little bit of peanut butter because most dogs love peanut butter. And then while you're watching your dog devour this delicious peanut butter because it has no idea what's about to happen to it, you just love them and you shame them just a little bit while they're consuming it. And then you get to watch them vomit it all up. They, it is remarkable how quickly it works. I have to re, like restate, you should always call your vet. But in my specific situation, the vet was like they consumed such a small amount that two, te two teaspoons per 10 pounds of dog. So I have a 40-pound dog, and I gave him eight teaspoons of hydrogen peroxide mixed with peanut butter, and the resulting mess was moments later and we did not have to go to the emergency room and my dogs are totally fine i have to be honest with you i did i did not expect the answer to be peanut butter and watered down rocket fuel yep <laughs> and that is per vet instructions <laughs> so there is your home wellness i'm realizing i forgot to call it carlos points i had written down for her. uh the, the trauma cycle line alone is worth, worth 75 points Yes, it is. 75, 75 points. I'm All right. Well, that coach. changes our points right now. I am in last place with 130 points. Next, we have Nate with 285. Following, we have Marie with 323 points. Molly with 325. And in the lead, Carla Rose with 340 points. Yes. All right. Okay. Go team. This it's not lost. It's not lost. It's not lost. Anything can happen with technically correct. And our next game is called technically correct. Now I'm going to read a movie description that's technically correct. Our faculty members will all come up with an answer as fast as possible. Sean will award points based on the answers he likes best. Now the description of the first movie. A babysitter sucks at her job while she's fighting her own battle of the bulge. Uh, Molly, what do you got? Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Mrs. It's a good answer. Mrs. Doubtfire. All right. Uh, Carla Rose, you have an answer? Um, I'm thinking it's um, Airbud. But I, I just love, you know, sports movies. I think it's like the fourth one where the mama dog had mange. Airbud 4, the one with the mama. Marie, what's your answer? 
Um, I'm fairly certain it's Halloween. All right, Halloween. Nate, what do you have? Jaws 2. <laughs> Jaws 2. All right. Uh, the correct answer... So- Sean, we actually have uh, Carla Rose with Air Bud 4, Marie with Halloween, Molly with Mrs. Doubtfire, and Nate with Jaws 2. The real answer was Labyrinth. Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> Labyrinth. Uh, babysitter sucks at her job while she's fighting her own battle of the bulge. Mm-hmm. Watch the movie. You'll oh, know what bulge oh. I'm talking about. Sean, how would you like to score that? <laughs> <laughs> Bulge. Uh, Airbud four is a deep cut worthy of twenty points. Uh, and let's go twenty-five to Molly for Mrs. Doubtfire, which I think is probably technically correct. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire is technically correct. <laughs> right, right. Is and when I uh, sent it to Coach Steve, that was actually his first answer, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, yeah. like mine. All right. The next movie. A pair of bad actors try to seek an audience with a prince alone in his castle. Carla Rose. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. How is going to be fun? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I love that movie. Uh, right, Marie, what do you have? I was going to say Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, so I'm going to go with, with the one that's coming out very soon, because I'm pretty sure they're making another one. All right, Bill and Ted 3. All right, Bill and Ted 3. Um, Molly, what do you have? Um, it is obviously Biodome. Biodome and Nate. Yeah. Uh, I am going to go with Donnie Brasco. <laughs> Donnie Brasco. Yep. All right, so, Sean, we have Marie with Bill and Ted 3, Molly with Biodome, Nate with Donnie Brasco, Carla Rose with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. The answer was Home Alone. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) It was Home Alone. Sean, how would you like to score that? Uh, uh, Pulling up Biodome out of nowhere, let's do 15 points for that. Uh, So it's fun. And the completely random Tony Brasco. Uh, let's, let's go with uh, 35 points on that one. <laughs> 35 for Nate. Our third movie. So it's a movie about small business owners who get hassled by the government. And uh, let's go with Molly. What do you ah, have? Great, Bob. Thanks. Um, <laughs> the small business owners that get hassled by the government is obviously a hocus pocus. Hocus pocus. Trying to do their own thing. All right. Yeah, Nate, what do you have? Men in black. Men in black. Carla Rose? Well, it's clearly uh, legendary Weird Al Yankovic's UHF. UHF. And Marie. Um, I'm going to go with the producers. Producers. Uh, so it's we have Molly time. with Hocus Pocus, Nate with Men in Black, Carla Rose with UHF, and Marie with the producers. Now, Nate and Carla Rose are technically correct. However, the movie about small business owners getting hassled by the government describes Ghostbusters. Yep. Yep. So, Sean, how would you like to score? 
<laughs> it is. Let's go. Uh, any Weird Al reference is worth 30 points. And uh, <laughs> the producers is out there enough. Let's do 20 for that. all right our last description a boy fights nothing so it's a story of a boy who fights nothing nate what do you have the sixth sixth sense sixth sense carla rose uh, that Travolta movie. Is it uh, The Boy in the Bubble? <laughs> bubble Boy. <laughs> I don't know if it's a Boy in the Bubble. Either way, I know what movie you're talking about. Marie, What? It, it's the movie we're all living right now. <laughs> Marie, what do you have? I'm going to go with the partially animated film Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon? All Such right, Pete's right. Set in Maine, by the way, both both I versions. Know. Yep, uh, Molly, what's your answer? Look, there's a lot of different ways I could go here. I could go funny. I could go trying to. I could try and court favor, but I'm just gonna go with the right answer that is technically correct, because I'm hoping it's the right thing to do. It's the never-ending story. The never-ending story. So we have. Nate with the Sixth Sense, Carla Rose with Bubble Boy, Marie with Pete's Dragon, and Molly with a never-ending story. The actual answer is not technically correct. It's actually correct. It is Molly. It is the never-ending story. It's the story of a boy who fights the nothing. So, Sean, how would you like to score that? (laughs) Uh, It's it's definitely due 50 to Molly for uh, uh, getting that one right. Uh, let's do yeah, uh, yeah. T- 25 to Bob for a question I had not even a guess on. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, let's do 30 to Carla Rose for the Bubble Boy. And uh, 10 points for Nate seeing dead people. All right. Um, yeah, never-ending story. Not only was it about a boy who fights nothing, it was about me as a nine-year-old kid bawling my eyes out after they killed the horse. So- you and us <laughs> all, buddy. You and us all. Oh, yeah. I, I still do cry. For my mom. <laughs> so last time I saw that, um, it was that- on the gr- the Concord bus from Portland to Boston, and I got off the bus, and I was like a weepy mess and they were like what's wrong yeah. and i was like i just saw a movie from my childhood <laughs> fun fact the uh it was based on a german novel and the novelist hated the movie so much he wanted his name removed from it wow well he was wrong that leads us to our moral now after listening to our conversation and hearing what everybody had to say playing our games we arrived here and the moral of tonight's story is, is very, very clear. It doesn't matter what you start off as. And it doesn't matter how many times you pick yourself up or fall down. At the end of the day, you will always be Leonard Matthew. <laughs> All right. So, our points. In last place is myself with 155 points. Next, we have our reigning champion, former reigning champion, Marie, with 323. Next, we have Nate with 330. So that leaves two people. 
Is it Carla Rose or is it Molly? Well, Carla Rose has a total score of 420, which makes Molly our reigning champion with 435 points. Oh my god, I'd like to thank my parents, and especially you, Sean, for everything and for believing in me when I didn't even believe in myself. I didn't believe in you either. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, thank you for joining us tonight. I hope you had as much fun as we had. Thank you for watching Balderdash Academy. I've been your headmaster, Bob LeBlanc. Joining me has been the head of English language arts, (laughs) Professor Molly McGill. I'm not happy about winning at all. At all. (laughs) (laughs) We have the head of STEAM, Professor Nate Green. Bye. -bye. (laughs) We have the head of home ec and wellness, Professor Marie Stewart Harmon. From first to worst, but I'm coming for you next week. It's a good job. And we have joining us as the temporary assistant coach of the Balderdash Academy Dashers, Carla Rose Dubois, standing in for Steve Corning. (laughs) Well done, Carla Rose. Um, Steve could not be with us tonight. Steve has another show. He is a professional juggler. You can find more out about Steve Corning at stevecorning.com and just search online for the Human Variety Show. Good night and thank you for listening to the podcast. We have options available if you'd like to support the show directly or show your school colors with some Balderdash Academy merchandise. For more information on the show, support options or merchandise, please visit our website at balderdashacademy.com. Thank you for listening, and have a good night. Over, over, a pair of nipples. Isn't it always? Why was his name over a pair of nipples? Balderdash Academy was created by Bob LeBlanc and Steve Corning. With writing by Steve Corning, Mate Green, Bob LeBlanc, Molly McGill, and Marie Stewart Harmon. I was going to say, I don't even remember nipples. Find us online at balderdashacademy.com. Copyright 2020 by Robert J. LeBlanc and Steve Corning. All rights reserved. With Marie coming in next with 235, Molly with uh, 325, uh, 323. I can't read. Go Dashers! Loving what you're hearing? Now imagine if you could actually see Molly's point-winning angry face, Marie's up-close and personal lean-in, Nate's... Where is he now? Is he in the bathroom still? Steve's coveted sweatband and Bob's juggling of all things tech. Yeah, it gets pretty wild. See all this and more by catching episodes on Balderdash Academy's YouTube channel.